Wednesday, October 20th, and I'm here at Ricardo Almeida Academy's Amanda Levy, who just won double gold in the Purple Belt Adult Division at Nogi Pams a few weeks ago. Uh, just need to first give a shout out for our, our two sponsors. First one is Rain Unlimited. Train, dominate, and rise. For high quality, comfortable, affordable, and sleek jujitsu kimonos, rash guards, and lifestyle apparel, choose Rain Unlimited. Rain Unlimited is joining efforts with the National Breast Cancer Foundation's mission to support helping women now by providing help and inspiring hope to those affected by breast cancer through early detection, education, and support services. The brand new Battle V2 Gi was reintroduced and recreated to contribute to the cause and help spread awareness. 25% of proceeds will be donated directly to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Help us fight breast cancer and spread awareness. To order this great gi with a cause, visit rainunlimited.com, R-E-I-G-N, unlimited.com, not like rainfall. Our second sponsor is Details, also spelled differently than how you think of Details. It's spelled D-E-T-A-L-E-S. Details is a jiu-jitsu athletic apparel company that develops top-of-the-line gear exclusively designed for women who train by women who train. If you're a woman who rolls and you're looking for the perfect rash guard, definitely check them out at www.details.com. Detailsclothing.com. Again, it's D E T A L E S clothing.com. Again, D E T A L E S clothing.com. Um, today, our guest again is Amanda Levy. Here's a quick rundown on her. Um, you may have seen her on some YouTube videos from the past, like Rappler's Quest has posted over the years. Um, I saw her choking out dudes, I think, in Las Vegas. Uh, Became really viral phenomenon where she's had somewhere a couple hundred thousand views of her um, defeating her male opponents and just really um, be, be growing in front of our eyes on YouTube and at the various tournaments. Um, she's only 18 years old, has won numerous Naga, Grappler's Quest, and IBJJF titles. Uh, while she was still in high school, she lasted 20 plus minutes in a sub only match with UFC top contender Katzengano. This past spring, she won the Grappler's Quest Super Tournament alongside uh, Henzo Gracie, Ricardo Almeida teammates Eddie Cummings, Gary Tonin, and Gordon Ryan. Uh, a few months ago, we wrote a brief piece on her, calling her the next big thing in women's BJJ and MMA. And most recently, just a few weeks ago, um, she won double gold at Nogi Pans in the Purple Belt Adult Divisions. Uh, thank you for joining us, Amanda. Thank you. How are you doing today? Um, just want to start off, uh, Amanda, how old were you when you started training in jiu-jitsu? Um, I was 11 when I started training, and now I'm 18, so I've been in it for a good amount of years. Yeah, and how did you get into it when you were 11 years old? Was it you? Was it your parents? Or? Uh, well, my dad and my uncle like would always watch the UFC, and they originally got my brother into it, and then he like he kind of like stuck with it for a little bit, but I just kept staying with it. and. He just actually signed up again, like the past year. Or so now I have another training partner. And do your parent? Uh, do you, does your dad and uncle also train as well? No, I always try to try to get them to, but they they never will. They'll do like one class and they'll like back off. And I'm just like, come on, you push me to do it. Why can't I push you guys to do it? That's interesting. That um, they're they're not interested in doing it or willing to do it, but somehow you managed to find an interest in it and not only have an interest but achieve a high level um what do you ha, what do you that you attribute that to um their interest but not interest in training and your ability to just really have a knack for it and passion for it 
Well, I think they just they enjoy watching it. I think more than they like enjoy the like the working part of it. So like I don't know. They've always pushed me to do my best. Like in even in any sport, like any sport that I ever played growing up, like they were always there. Both of them were always there. They always like were willing to take me anywhere I needed to go. If it was travel, softball, or anything like that. And I'm just like so appreciative that they were able to be so supportive about it. Yeah, and before our podcast, and when we um, when you agreed to do it, I did some research on you. Read some local articles. Your dad, he really did go to the extreme because didn't you have a pretty crazy workout schedule in between school where you're training in the morning and uh, evening? Um, well, I mean, it wasn't like too too crazy. Like I would go to the well, I mean, I would go to the gym in the morning with my dad, like before school, around like five. We'd work out for like an hour. And then I would go home, shower, eat, and head off to school. And then after school, I would just go to the gym, just like the jiu-jitsu practice and stuff like that. And um, was he big into the weightlifting, though, and that conditioning part? Yeah. I've. Um, I, he's always been, like, with, like, lifting and stuff. Like, a lot of my strength just comes from, like, I'm, like, I'm pretty strong for, like, I guess, girls. So, like. He's always like, I started when I lifting when I was 11. I mean, not too heavy, but like just enough. So like, you know, it made me strong. But it's he's always big in like strength and conditioning. And when you first started training, um, did you have that uh, major strength advantage even over boys at the age of 11 and 12? Um, it would depend, I guess, on the boy. Like sometimes I would feel stronger than them and sometimes they would feel stronger than me. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess it would just depend on the, the boy. And you mentioned you're active in other sports. Um, were, were you also were you a natural athlete at jujitsu? Uh, were you good at right when you started, or did it take a while to get used to it? Um, I think I actually sucked when I first started. I mean, I was always very like like good at basketball and softball, and like those things kind of came like more natural to me. Like jujitsu when I first started. Like when I look at videos from like when I was like 11, 12. I'm like, I don't even know why I even stuck with it because I just, I think I looked awful. Like I, I really, it took time for me to, to like hone my skills in jujitsu. Well, you see a lot of kids, they want instant gratification of parents. They don't want to see their kids lose. What, what made you stick with it at that time? And uh, what type of encouragement did you receive from your parents? Because sometimes parents, they don't want to see their kids lose where nowadays you just see them, you know, let's not keep score. Uh, what did what made you stick with it and what type of encouragement did you receive from your parents to stick with it? Well, I would always, I never liked to lose either. So like mm -hmm. I was always very competitive, like growing up and like one thing my dad always enforced was that like, you know, second place, we don't, we don't like second place. Like We don't accept second place. Like second place to me is nothing. Like, you know, when I'll, like I tell the story to everybody, but because everyone thinks my dad's crazy, but I think it was just like a good lesson for like just me in general. It made me like it opened my eyes completely. So the one time we were at a softball game, and it was the championship, and my whole my team lost, and we got the second place trophies. And my dad goes, "Amanda, go throw that trophy right in the trash over there." I did it in front of the whole team, threw my trophy right in the trash, and I had no problem doing it either because ever since I was little, like I never liked to lose, so like. I know I played my I played a good game. It was just like that's why I was never very good at like team sports because I just didn't like the fact that you have to depend on other people and like jujitsu you have to depend on your training partners. But when it comes to mat like when it comes to tournaments, you have to depend on yourself. You have to know that you trained enough and that you're ready to like beat whoever you have to beat. So like that was just a great life lesson for me when my dad made me do that, and I just love telling everyone that story because it really did open my eyes.
Right now, do you keep any of your um, silver or bronze medals at all, or do you just throw those out too? I I accept the second place medals and third place medals if they were good matches. So like if if they were a decent match, and like you know like they were like really hard fought and stuff like that, and maybe I lost by like maybe a point or something like that. I'll accept it. I still have like second and third place medals, but you know I don't really like appreciate them as much as my gold medals. So. Mm. And have you gone into every tournament and match? Um, I'm digressing a little bit, but do you go into every tournament and match uh, with the goal of taking first place? Because in the past, um, I've made the mistake of oh, I just want a medal, and then you just wind up meddling and uh, accept. You, basically, what I'm saying is, you, you, when you set the goals low, you, you don't real your goal. You know, you're not going to get to the top of the mountain. Do you always have the mentality of first place? Yeah, it's not even that. It's more like I go into the tournament and I want to, like, perform my absolute best. Like, I want to be – I want to perform better than I did my last tournament. So, if that means getting the gold, I guess, yes, in a way. Like, I shoot for first place. But I just really, like, I try to focus on, like, maybe submitting more people than I submitted last tournament. Or, like, you know, not winning – because lately I've been winning more matches by points. So, like, my goal is now is to start, like – stop like grinding through the time and submit people but um so i guess yeah like i, I shoot for first place i try to set my my goal high and try to reach it mm -hmm. and you well, you started training at a different academy then you switched to ricardo almeida's academy what made you decide to switch uh, and train with uh, the ricardo almeida team well i've been to like a few different schools and like some of them were just too far and then other ones like i don't know just when i came to ricardo's like the high level guys there and like it's so well organized and it's just a great team atmosphere like we're willing to help each other that it was just like a no-brainer to sign up there um how long have you been trained with ricardo uh two years and even when you signed up did you sign up knowing that mma uh, would be in your future yeah and that's that's another reason why you know mma you know if you look at like frankie edgar and our like our like our MMA team is like incredible, so mm -hmm. I, that was another reason why. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to backtrack a little bit, you, you did play other high school sports. You didn't really start training full time in jujitsu and MMA until recently. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Which other sports do you play in high school? And I played softball. Um, I played softball my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And my junior year, I also started um, the field, like track and field, but I would do like shot put, discus, and javelin. And mm -hmm. I, know, I was like, I was pretty good at shot put. I went to States for shot put. I mean, I didn't compete with any of the girls from States. Like I was like, not that great at States, but you know, it was just like, a, that was another cool experience. But I enjoyed, I enjoyed every sport that I played in high school. And it was awesome to like, I don't know, like use like, especially for shot put, when you like jujitsu, like it's so technique wise and every event, like field event is very like technique wise. Like you have to be spot on with your technique. So like, I don't know, jujitsu helped transfer over to like my field activities that I would do for Ryan, for my Archbishop Ryan. Mm -hmm. And how do you balance uh, the jujitsu training with the softball and track and field training during the school year? How many days a week were you training back then? And how do you also balance the schoolwork and other obligations that most teenagers have? Well, so, like, I would do, like, at lunch. I had, like, a late lunch, so I would always, like, 
do all my homework at lunch. Like I would eat lunch and then I would just go right to my homework, do my homework in school, you know, come out and it, depending on like what I had that day, if I had softball practice, I could usually make like the later like jujitsu practice. And then if I had like track and field, I could usually make the later jujitsu practice too. And then it would just depends. Like if I had games, I would pr probably have to miss like training that day. But usually I was able to make it. And then especially like I would still do like my morning training and I would, I don't know, I would just like go to the later classes. And I also uh, read that you tried to get on your high school wrestling team. Um, and you also saw some video local news coverage that you received from that. How did that end? Did you just uh, decide not to pursue it any longer? And uh, were you trained wrestling outside of school? Well, um, so they like uh, they annoyed me because once I went to sign up for, for the wrestling, um, I was like, oh, this is great. Like I could use wrestling, you know, especially for jujitsu. And um, so when I went to sign up, they're like, you can't sign up. I'm like, what do you mean I can't sign up? And they're like, only boys can sign up. I'm like, here we go. I'm like, oh, we're starting a war with this one. I'm like, oh, there's no way that I, like, this is like so sexist. Like you can't do this. There's so many public school girls wrestling for their high schools. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is 2015. You know, I feel like girls are in their place, especially on the mats. And I was so – I was on a few different, like, news stations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Archdiocese came out with why they weren't letting me wrestle. And that sounded completely sexist, basically telling girls, like, you know, like, they're basically saying they teach gender differences, which is wrong to me. And um, so eventually, like, it kind of just dwindled away. And it was to the point where I was just like, whatever. Like, I have jujitsu, like – a wrestling guy. I'm not in the like, you know, like at first I wanted to wrestle, but then as like the tension got like bigger and bigger, I'm just like, you know what? It's all right. I'm like, hopefully a girl comes and maybe hopefully they change it again because it was just, it's stupid that they have to be that way. It sounds crazy because women's wrestling is an Olympic sport. You've seen numerous UFC fighters. I think Carlos Sparza wrestled in college, Sarah McMahon, Kat Zingano, um, Misha Tate, they're all high school and college wrestlers. The precedent was set way long ago, back in the 80s and 90s about that. So it does seem a little bit backwards. And I think Pennsylvania, several of the universities at least have the um, – because women's wrestling is not an NCAA sport, but it, it's a club sport where you could compete, get scholarships. And at least some of the uh, colleges and universities in Pennsylvania already have women's wrestling programs there. Yeah. That, that was like another thing, like – if I was going to college or if a girl wanted to wrestle and go to college, they're basically taking money away from that person who wants to go to college, like that woman who, the woman who wants to go to college. So I think it was a load of bull crap, but what are you going to do? Did you show them any of your videos where you already were competing against boys and doing yeah. fairly well? Yeah. And I mean, they were, that the one guy, the one representative from the archdiocese was like, was very like amazed by it, but it was it came down to um the archbishop and he put an end to that real quick so yeah sometimes uh you know it is what it is uh at, but at the same time um yeah i think down the road someone is going to break through that barrier and everything and when you look at look at down the road just like the civil rights movement gay rights movement you, it's going to look a little bit silly down down the road that hey that they denied you a chance to wrestle, and uh, when it's already the precedent's been set in so many other places for a number of years.
Yeah. But no, that's, that's pretty cool, though, that you did stand up and put up the fight. Thank you. And, you know, just going back to your jiu-jitsu training, when you were between 11 and uh, 17 years old, did you were you aware that a lot of your highlights were on YouTube? Um, I think I found out probably when I was, like, uh, 16, maybe. And, um, but, like, people were brutal with the comments. Like, what? I just stopped reading them because I'm just like, you know what? They're not worth my time. They're probably sitting on their couch, like, eating chips, like, not doing anything with their life. I'm like, I'm just going to ignore them. They're not worth my time. They're not even worth reading. And, you know, a lot of them are just, they're crazy comments. And I, I can't even, like, describe them. I didn't but. read those comments. Like, I used to actually show your videos when girls want to try try out jujitsu, I'd always show them your video and say, hey, this is what you could be doing, and this is the great equalizer. Technique, skill, uh, great conditioning, and if anything, I thought your videos were impressive and empowering, you know, and sent a positive message, but what I realized, too, when I was, um, because, you know, I write a blog for Jiu-Jitsu Times, there's people that on Reddit where some, sometimes comments, one guy told me I should go kill myself, you know, and then at first you're like, oh, shoot. But then after a while, it's like you just kind of laugh it off. It's like, yeah. all right, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, most of these people, you can tell the, the comments that people who know jujitsu and the people that probably got, got beat by a girl sometime in their life and are just mad about it. <laughs> well, it's, it is crazy how many people are just out there and so full of hate. It's just yeah. Because I think, you know, Maybe not for your unfortunate opponent, but there's a positive message in that. I think in what you're doing out there, and it's just kind of crazy that there are people out there that would be that full of that much hate. But um, what is one of the funny things that someone said that you just gotta shake your head? It's like, what's what's this person thinking that you can? Because um, I've been told you should go kill yourself. I've been told a monkey could do your job better than you. This is a your piece of whatever. Um, probably the one that I'm on steroids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, you're crazy. I'm like, if you look at girls on steroids, I hope I don't look like that. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. kind of an insult. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm sure probably, you know, that person's probably got their own issues. If it, yeah. it, just think about how much effort it takes to log into YouTube, leave the comment, and think of something to say where it's like, oh, you can look at it, like it, not like it, just move on with your life. Yeah. But yet this person's it's something not right with them in that, in that exactly. Um, like when you first started competing, was it always were you given the option of competing in a girls' division or a boys division, or was it just one division where it was all mixed gender? Um, they would they well when I first started they didn't even have any they barely had a girl like I would be lucky if I had a girl fight. Mm -hmm. I mean, I my dad would actually like tell them to put me in the boys division. And then my dad would put me in, like, so I would do, like, when I was, like, 12, 13, my dad would put me in the boys' division for, like, the 12 to 13-year-olds in my weight class. And then he would put me in the girls' division. And then he would put me in a weight class higher. And then he would put me in the teens' division. And then he would put me in the women's division. I was, like, I would be going all over the mat. Like, that's why I'm, that's why a lot of people, would like, knew me because I would just start at like just say mat one, and then I'd be at mat twelve, mat eight, mat nine. Like I'd be fighting, and they'd be calling my name in another ring. So I would just get up from that match and go right over to the other one. Like I didn't get a break. <laughs> like, well, was your dad aware of how tiring these matches are? Yeah, and I, that's that was the point. I think, like you know, like when I go, when you do tournaments, 
I look at it as like experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Experience for like the bigger tournaments. Like when I am when I was able to when I'm able to do worlds and the Nogi Pan Ams and stuff like that. So like I feel like, you know, competing to a crazy like that actually like benefited and, you know, like helped me, you know, mentally stronger. Because by the end of the day, my I was mentally drained. So mentally mentally strong, that's what my dad was going for, I think. All right, I want to see if you could break a podcast record. Um, Edward Najmi, who actually trained at Ricardo Almeida's when he was in New Jersey, he's a was a brown belt and purple belt world champion. When he won purple belt um, worlds, he had thirteen matches in one day. How many? What are the most matches you had in one day? Oh, I don't. I think it was more than thirteen. I think it was like fifteen. It was at Grappler's Quest in Wayne, New Jersey, and I think I had fifteen in one day. And it was one of the one of their bigger tournaments, and I, w- I want to say fifteen. What was your record for that day? I, you know what? That was that was probably one of my best tournaments too. For I I think I won twelve of them. Oh damn, that's impressive. How old yeah. were you when you did that? Um, I think I was either fifteen. I think I was fifteen. Fifteen. So you entered the boys, women's, open weights. Yeah, everything. You name it, I was probably in it. Was it because we're seeing your highlights on YouTube? Well, it was, was Nogi and Gate too. So like, you know what I mean? It wasn't just like Nogi. It was like Nogi and Gate. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Fifteen in one day, and how many finishes did you have? Because you have to end some of those quick in order just to yeah fatty and stay hydrated. Well, like the break. one, the last division, my dad was like, "Do you want to do it?" And like. At first, I said no, but then I like my—I just like was thinking about it, and my like mind doesn't let me just like say no. So I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll just do it. Like you know, I, there's no harm in doing it. And um, so I don't know. I I got a good amount of finishes that day. I'm not sure exactly how many, but I'm sure I know I got a few. And um, we saw see all your highlights on YouTube, but. Were you instantly successful against boys and even against girls when you first started? Or was there a growing period where you did have your initial struggles in training? Um, my first match I've ever done in jiu-jitsu when I was 11, mm-hmm. it was four months in the training. Like I first started. And I went into my first match and got killed in 15 seconds. And I cried, wanted to quit. But my uncle and my dad, like they calmed me down. They're like, just do another match. And then I won my next match, but um, I think it wasn't until like my second tournament where I started fighting the boys, and um, the boys I would go back and forth with. I usually always had a good match with them, but it would always usually come down to points. And around when I was you know, probably around fourteen and fifteen, I was that's when I was like getting re- very well like with handling the boys, and that's when um, the one in Vegas where like it has a lot of hits. That was one of my matches. And um, that I was probably it was probably my, one of my best matches that I did against the boys. And when I started going coming towards the end, it was getting a little harder for me. But I would still like last with them. Like they wouldn't like tap me like that. So like I don't know. I, I think towards the end it got a little harder for me than it was when I was like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, and um, you lost in fifteen seconds. That's hard to believe that. And it's also good to hear, too, because so many people, they get frustrated when they first start. They don't realize that if you stick with it and you keep training, you keep competing, that it will get better. How do you lose in 15 seconds? Were you just caught in an arm lock? Or? 
No, it was called a choke, and it was like, like a normal choke. It was like the ninja roll choke. Like this girl just like hit it on me, and I, I was it. I was done. So. Uh, and and uh, that uh, Las Vegas video that you talked about, I remember that kid's name, Wyatt Sellers. He won a bunch of tournaments as well, right? Um, I'm not entirely sure, but like it just makes me mad that like so many people like will comment on that video, and they're like, oh, you know, like. He was a beginner. No, he was not a beginner. They did not put me against a beginner. It was the advanced division. I was 15, and they even put me in, like, the 16 to 17-year-olds division. So, like, I, mean, I just want to clear that up. They did not put me against, like, an intermediate or beginner. Like, he signed up for advanced, and it was a fair match. Like, because, you know, everyone always looks for, like, and a reason why that I won, and it wasn't not because of my, like, talent. Well, it's – these are guys that probably don't do jujitsu. I train okay. jujitsu. I'm 200 pounds, 200 plus pounds, and I get tapped by 120 pound girls. If it, if, it, if you're going up against a good, regardless of gender, you get caught in just a foot lock. You get caught in uh, wrist locking. Get, guess what? You got to tap. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, you got to look at it as a game in, in a way where if you if you don't do it, you don't realize that hey, tapping's part of it, and no matter what, you're you're going to get caught. By a, a more skilled person at times, regardless of size, gender, I get tapped by 120 pound dudes, 100 pound girls. It's just part of the, part of training too, and part part of competing. Um, that's that is crazy though. I didn't realize that people were like that disrespectful. Yeah, well, I'm just lucky that I've always had like ever since I was like 11. Like I've always had like men that like I, when I was 11, like I would be in like the adult class with all men, and I would be the only girl and the only kid. So I'm just lucky that like I've always had guys that were willing to train with me and that were willing to help me grow after all like if like through all the people that I like met through jujitsu and it's just like very nice that like you know all the guys had no problem rolling with me and helping me grow and you know make me a better jujitsu practitioner. So I'm very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. And um, two years ago, you faced Katzengano in the finals of a the uh, UFC Expo Grappler's Quest event in Vegas. You lasted 20 minutes with her uh, before she caught you, I think, in some type of footlock. What type of – was that a confidence booster for you to last 20 minutes against someone like Kat, who's been training as long as you were alive? Because when I was your age, I wrestled the New York State Wrestling Champion and got pinned in seven seconds. <laughs> so you lasted with a, the number one contender at that time in the UFC who's – Again, been probably training 14, 15 years in grappling, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and MMA. Was that conference booster even though you lost? Absolutely. But at the same time, I was, you know, like when you, when I lost initially, I wasn't too happy. But, like, before the match, like, she she got a flying armbar in 10 seconds on the girl before me. And I'm like, great. like, And then I, like, you know, I, I posted on Facebook that I was going to be fighting her. And I forget who said it to me, but... They're so like, Amanda, she she puts her gi on the same way as you do. She trains the same way as you do. So that kind of like, you know, like, it like struck me. And I was like, okay, like I can do this. Like, you know, if I last a minute with her, I last a minute with her. You know, like I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not going to get upset about it. And, you know, I ended up lasting like way more than I thought I was. So, I mean, at first when I initially lost, especially to like a footlock, like that was one of my, like that's what I'm working on a lot now with the footlocks. Because like that's one of my like weaker points, so now I'm getting better with them. And at that point, I didn't even really like know anything from like below the waist. 
So like that kind of made me like a little angry because I got out I got out of the first two, and then mm -hmm. the last one she got was very tight. So I know I just tapped. It's not worth my foot. So um, then you know like afterwards, like after the losing, like after I let like let that sink in, I like you know I felt more accomplished and I felt very proud of myself for even lasting that long because she was the strongest woman I've ever fought before. Like she was just once she locked up with me, I'm like uh oh here we go <laughs> like. Is very, she's she's a great great um, at jujitsu. I was very impressed. Yeah, and her her ex husband, her ex, late ex husband um, Mauricio Zingano was her coach. He was a black belt for a number of years, so it, she been she trained her butt off, but she also you know got to get advice from one of the top black belts out there. Her um, husband Mauricio, uh, which definitely helps. And um, I don't know if anybody told you this though. Comparing the strength of even male, female, um, you know, regardless, the strength of a 17-year-old versus the strength of a 30-year-old and just the number of years of extra strength and conditioning and just you're not done growing. She, you know, she's more developed as far as her strength and uh, conditioning goes. You know, as long as you keep working hard, you could definitely get there as well. You know, yeah. you're, just from a mature, physical maturity standpoint, her at 30 versus you at 17, that's a huge gap. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, did she say anything to you afterwards that, um, like, what that encouraged you as well? Or uh, no, it was kind of just like we got. I got a handshake and a hug, and you know, we were just like parted. That was nothing really was said. She had to go to the um, UFC Expo that was going on. She had to run a table, so I don't think she was like, you know, I think she was in a rush to get there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because she probably didn't think the match would take twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, just want to transition real quick to your current training. Um, you're training full-time right now. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, what's your uh, workout schedule like right now? Um, so Monday is in the morning, and at night I do jiu-jitsu. Um, Tuesday, like, the mornings, like, sparring. And um, Tuesday nights, like, boxing and jiu-jitsu. And uh, Wednesday, jiu-jitsu. Thursday, jiu-jitsu and like boxing um friday jiu-jitsu and then saturday jiu-jitsu and then sunday's like kind of my rest day so so it's a pretty regimented program right now yeah is there any strength and conditioning in between oh, yeah. strength and conditioning i do on tuesdays and thursdays is it just uh with the team or is it on your own with your own coaches or your father um it's with um like two other two other of my teammates mm-hmm um, how are you able to maintain um, your health and making sure that you're well rested for these number of workouts right now? Um, I do like the foam roller a lot, mm -hmm. and you know, just like get enough sleep. I try to eat as clean as I can, and you know, try to just get enough rest. Is basically it. Are you taking your um, diet and nutrition advice right now from Gary Tonin or from um, like the hamburger <laughs> diet, where you just? Uh, listening more to Ricardo and his whole foods diet. Yeah, I'm just trying to eat cleaner. I'm not uh -huh. on the Gary Tonin diet. I don't think I could do that. I'm not much of a, I don't know. I, I just too much grease doesn't work for me. It's it like upsets my stomach. Mm -hmm. And um, are you also working right now or is the whole, or going to college where's the focus just on training? Uh, right now the focus is just on training. Mm -hmm. And what, Last year, did you realize you would be doing this at this time, or did you go through the whole college application SAT process? And 
I always like, I think when I, I never really, I knew I, I, I hadn't, I already knew I wasn't going to college. I mean, like, um, I don't know. I just, I have a chance in this and I always wanted to take this route. Mm. Eventually, like I'm going to, I'm going to start, um, in helping instruct at Ricardo's and, um, you know, like eventually in many years down the road when I get my black belt and, you know, my brother is um, also training with me and we want to open our own school together eventually. But that's many years down the road. Nice, nice. And what was your parents' reaction when you said um, you didn't want to go to college um, and you want to just train full-time and see where you go with MMA and Jiu-Jitsu? Um, I mean, so my, my dad already knew that and I think my mom kind of knew it too. So they're, they're both very supportive. Like, they knew like I wasn't going to go to school. Mm -hmm. Did they give you a deadline where uh, you have one or two years to make it happen and then otherwise you should go back to school where you need to have a plan B or was it just, hey, let's go all in? Uh, no, it was just, let's just do it. It wasn't any like deadline or anything. Mm -hmm. Was there anything where it's like, hey, you just can't be hanging around on a couch. You have to be actually training every day and doing this or... Yeah, which... Like, I, I didn't even have to tell me that. Like, I knew what I was, like, I was going to be training in the morning, you know, afternoon and evening. Like, I knew I was, like, that was set already. Mm -hmm. And so far, it's turned out pretty well. You won, um, you, again, double gold at Nogi Pans. Um, how much has your game improved since you were able to switch to training multiple times a day, every day, and basically just going full time? Um, do you, have you noticed that it's really benefited your game? Oh, absolutely. Like the, I think the more time I put in, well, the more time I put in, it definitely, it benefits like just like uh, watching jujitsu, like just watching the regular guys just roll. Like I could pick up one more and I, I feel like I'm getting more submissions than I am like letting the time run out. And, you know, I just, I feel my game has just gone all around better. Like instead, I, like, I feel like when I was just training, like, you know, after school, that like I was more of a top game kind of person, which I still am, but I feel like my bottom game has gotten better, like from guard and stuff, from training, you know, like during the day and stuff. And is most of your training in a gi or no gi right now, uh, especially with no gi worlds coming up? Um, more no gi, I would say. I, I mean, I still do gi, but I think for my like mostly no gi for the worlds. Mm -hmm. And um, did you have it change up your training at all for no gi pants, no gi worlds, or is it just business as usual? Like, do you have a set training camp, or is it just no? I just I just yeah. go and train. And do you feel? Uh, do you have specific training partners um, that you work with, and you right now prefer training with guys or girls to prepare for the, the bigger tournaments? And do you see advantage or disadvantage to training with one or the other? Um. I never really try. I mean, occasionally I'll train with like a girl, but like uh, mostly I train with guys and uh, especially like jujitsu. Like now that my brother's in it, I train with my brother. I get to drill with my brother. Like if I'm preparing for a tournament, like I'll drill, I'll use, I'll use him to drill. Like he's like the same size as me. So it's actually very beneficial for me, but you know, like especially jujitsu wise, like I train with guys, like there's not many girls. So, I mean, do I see like a difference in training with guys and girls? I would say yes because there's not many. Uh, there's first of all, there's not many girls to even train with, and um, it's hard to find like a girl very dedicated to it and that wants to like you know like train all the time. So 
I I was trained with guys, so like I don't know. I just I feel like the guys have a little more like skill level, and there's more guys out there for me to, you know, broaden my horizons with my game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because one of the girls um, in your bracket at um, in the open weight, Tara White. I don't know. Are you familiar with her? Uh no. You wound up losing to a person that I believe you faced in the open weight semifinals. So if that girl was able to beat Tara White, who down here in SoCal, she has a reputation for just beating the crap out of dudes. Hmm. And then, and then uh, the girl that you beat, the girl that beat her, it's like, well, I was pretty impressed by that considering you're still a fairly new purple belt. Uh, and I know she's mainly training with um, dudes. So, you know, I think it's something you, at that level, you, you, you need to probably train with a certain type of person to match that level of aggression and also that type of pressure too. That, and are there a lot of females for you training with at the Ricardo Almeida Academy right now, or? Uh, no, there's just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just there's just one that I spar with, um, Caitlin. Like, I don't know if you ever. Um, I can't can I pronounce her last name. Um, Caitlin. She has the Instagram, the Blonde Fighter. Uh -huh. And you know, she her stand up is amazing. Like very like she's very quick. She does MMA a lot. She wins like all the time, and um, you know she's extremely impressive. So like when I get to stand up like. You stand up with her. She like helps me a lot. And uh, going back to your matches at Pans, they're all pretty close. Did you anticipate them being that close? Um, I'm like kind of like used to that because like all my my matches usually are like like I just kind of like grind them out and I always get like my points and then like I can never usually like I usually just have like trouble submitting. So that's why I, I really like, want to focus on submissions more. Like it's what I've been doing lately. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't really, like, go into, like, any, like, match and, like, expect something. Like, you know, I didn't expect them to be that long, but I didn't expect them to be quick either. Like, I kind of just go in there and I'm just, like, ready to fight, ready for whatever kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And knowing the, the IBJJF game, uh, you're fighting against the clock, also your opponent, and the matches are close. Is it just to secure – is your mentality still attack or just maintain position when you're up or – um, what type of mentality do you have once you get up on points where just during the matches? Well, if I'm up on points and mm -hmm. then there's like, you know, a minute left, I'm, depending on how many points I'm up, like if I'm up by like, you know, two points, I'm probably going to like just try to grind it out and do my best to like, make, like outlast it. But if I'm up like a lot of points, like I, I go for, I'll go for submissions. Like I don't have a problem losing, you mm -hmm. know, losing position at all. So like, you know, it's just basically staying calm is like my thing like i'm i'm a very calm like fighter i would say like i don't like you know get too excited and get like anxiety or anything so i think that's that's a good part of me nice nice and you're coming out to long beach in two weeks is your is this your first trip to socal uh yeah i don't the first i've ever been was like las vegas so this will be a new experience for me yeah and um all right, who, who from your team is coming out? Is uh, your head coach, Ricardo Almeida, or some of the other coaches coming out with you guys? Uh, yes, Professor Ricardo Almeida is coming with us, and then we have me and three other guys are competing. Oh, nice. And uh, usually, if you guys want to, you're more than welcome to train at our, our Henzo Gracie School of Five-Star Martial Arts, if you'd like. I know uh, Professor Ricardo, he also likes to go down to the Gracie Baja School in Irvine, I think, and a few other schools. But just know you guys are welcome to train at um, Five Star Martial Arts, which yeah, is the head of the school here. But are your folks coming out with you guys as well? Uh, just my dad is coming out with me. 
like, how will this uh, prep? Since you guys did uh, Grappler's Quest in Vegas, is the preparation that we're Routine going to be any different? Um, just with any uh, making sure diet, training routine, and uh, just the preparation while you're on the road. Is there anything you need to account for? Um, no, I mean I usually just try to eat cleaner, and you know I just instead of like training as much stand up, like you know I'll do more jujitsu, focus on more jujitsu, and you know I'll especially more drilling. Like I always use my brother to drill on. You mm -hmm. know, like I'll do like time drills, like go for thirty seconds for this move, thirty seconds with that move. So, you know, that's just basically just the game plan. And how many days out um, are you coming? Because I read this article by Tim Ferriss a little while ago, and I actually passed it along to this black belt I know from Europe that it takes a few days to acclimate to the time zone change and climate. Um, are you guys coming out a day before, two days before? I think we're coming out a day before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm not too, like, worried about, like, adjusting. Like, you know, hopefully... I'll adjust. Like, it's no big deal if I don't. You know, so I'm not, I mean, like, I'm shooting for, like, you know, first place, obviously, but I'm not going to, like, worry too much about, you know, just, like, adjusting to, like, the different, the different, like, area. Yeah, and uh, competing at the Pyramid, Long Beach, if you've never competed there before, it's an awesome venue, cool ceiling, and also, best part is there's an In-N-Out Burger right down the street from there. So, <laughs> right after you're done wrapping it all up, winning gold, you go celebrate In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, that's a good place. <laughs> yeah, and uh, best of luck uh, with the um, training for Worlds. And just want to, last few questions, ask you about when do you think you're going to make your uh, MMA debut? Has there been a plan set for with you and your coaches and your family? Um, no, there's no like plan set yet. I'm just going to be training, and then I'm going to have to talk to Ricardo. And hopefully in like 2016, I'll have my first MMA fight. Is there... Um, has he expressed to you any criteria where you need to be with your striking, ground game, wrestling, in order to for him to feel ready to sign off on you taking your first fight? Uh, no, I think like I just I just listen to him, and you know, like when he tells me something, you know, I just listen, and he like he shows me and helps me like a ton, especially when we're sparring in the morning training. So I mean, he hasn't mentioned anything specifically yet, so I'm just waiting for him. Right. And um, currently, are you training with the uh, pro team at the academy? Um, you know, there's like they're all a big help. So yeah, I, like I train with them in the morning. Like, I mean, they do like their thing. I'm just training, like you know, doing my own thing with like my brother or something like that. But it's it's very interesting to watch them. They're such hard workers, and you know, they're definitely something to look up to and aspire to be like just like them one day because their work effort is amazing. And has have you uh, hired a manager at this time or an agent to help you uh, transition from jujitsu to MMA and get help you get more sponsors? Uh, no, I mean I just have I have one sponsor right now. It's Phalanx. They're like um, they're like clothing and gear and stuff, and they're they're awesome. And uh, they're very supportive, and their gear is awesome. So everyone should check them out. Nice. Uh, do you think you'll have a hard time finding a fight? Because if there's uh, promoters pitch your name to uh, prospective opponents. They're going to look you up on YouTube and see what you've done in jiu-jitsu. Uh, and I've spoken to our pre a few previous guests, Benil Dariush, uh, Orla Orlando Sanchez, who, who are both really high-level world champions in jiu-jitsu, and they both expressed having a hard time um, when they got started finding opponents. And 
MMA. Do you see that being an issue, especially with the talent pool being a little bit smaller in the women's divisions? Um, I mean, probably, but I know I, there's probably some girls out there, I would hope, that wouldn't just, like, back down from a fight. I mean, I know, like, you know, I would, I would face anyone, so, like, I can't see, like, their point of view, but I don't know. I, I just hope that there's some girls out there for me to, you know, just get some, like, work in for MMA. And see how and, like it. Mm -hmm. Which weight class do you see yourself uh, fighting at? And have you talked to your coaches and family about that? And, um, well, I mean, amateur, I would probably shoot for 145. And then, you know, professional, I, there's no 145 in, like, the UFC or anything and, or any organization, I don't think. So, you know, I would have to, like, drop down to 135 probably. Yeah, but and also you never know. A year or two ago, there's no 115 weight class and. It's probably going to grow. Um, so, but that's a, that's great to hear. And uh, again, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us uh, uh, today on our podcast. Um, and we wish you nothing but the best of luck in two weeks in Long Beach uh, for the Nogi Worlds, and also continued success in both MMA and Jiu Jitsu. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care and best wishes, Amanda. Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye.